Clean cup, clean cup. Move down, move down, move down. I'm so very, very late. Well, no wonder you're late. Why, this clock is exactly two days slow. And now, my dear, as you were saying... Jam? Jam, I forgot all about no, jam. No, Just show you what a place to do. Mustard? Mustard, yes, but... Mustard? Don't let's be silly. Lemon, that's different. Jam. That should do it. <laughs> Look at that! Two days slow, that's what it is. Good evening, everybody. This is the Mad Hatter Macy. You're tuned in to Jamming with the Mad Hatter on Radio Bucks. Got a nice show for you lined up, but first, uh, I did mention this uh, on uh, the last episode that we were going to kick things off maybe like the first like five or ten minutes or so of today's show uh, talking about last night's episode of Game of Thrones, the season finale. So uh, if you if, if you haven't seen the episode yet, you might want to tune out for about ten minutes. There's definitely going to be a lot of spoilers here. Um, all right, let's just jump right in. Whoa! I mean, I, I, I felt, I felt like I was in shell shock after the episode ended. I just kind of sat there, not. I mean, so much happened. I really felt like the whole pace of the season was just so accelerated. A lot of people saying that uh, it would have fared better had they gotten it ten episodes, but I feel like trying to stretch it out 10 episodes would have also stretched the budget a little thinner and it would have impacted the quality of the various battle scenes and action scenes that we saw uh, throughout this season. So I, I, I felt like the seven episodes worked, but it, it definitely everything definitely did move at a breakneck speed. And uh, a lot of people talking about just how fast a raven and a dragon can fly from point A to point B. That one probably being the uh, the most in-depth of how accelerated everything was this season. But definitely a very satisfying season finale. We, uh, we finally were able to do away with Littlefinger, character from season one. Uh, and, and, and always a character I really like, too. I mean, is scheming backstabbing ways but it had kind of just run its course for me his character started seeming a little useless and repetitive uh i think they kind of maybe waited a a little too long to kill him off but uh i thought the scene was really awesome at first i really was sitting there being like oh man are we really going through this again like i thought sansa was smarter than this and then when she calls out, you know, like, oh, you stand accused of murder and treason. How do you plead, Lord Baelish? I thought that was amazing. It was such a great reveal. Uh, he clearly wasn't expecting it. Uh, the, I, I'd say the only one of the big downsides for the episode was the over the head exposition with the scene involving Bran and Sam. Uh, I, I felt like everything they said was stuff that even a casual viewer probably already knew at this point. 
Um, maybe not everyone bought into it while they were like, oh, well, like I got to wait until the show tells me that it's, you know, that's what happened before I believe it. But we all knew Jon Snow's lineage. I mean, I think the only reveal here is the name uh, Aegon, which for a lot of the book readers is, you know, then either can just further strengthens the theory that a character who's not in the show but young Griff from the books is a pretender Aegon. Or they just rolled the characters in and maybe Jon Snow is not as important in the books as we all thought. But, you know, I've always been under the impression it always seemed like that the, at least in terms of the ending, that it was the same. You know, that was kind of how, you know, uh, uh, D&D got the show was that they knew what the ultimate end was. So... I guess we'll see where that ends up. I, you know, everything else in that scene was just kind of obvious. Already expected it. But uh, the re- and I'd say the two biggest twists that really got me was the twist with Cersei betraying everyone in the North. I don't know why I was surprised by that happening, but I was definitely really surprised by that happening. And for, for a brief moment, I was like, oh, she finally at least gets it. You know, like, there's not going to be much of a war if, you know, there's there's no one left alive to go to war with. And, you know, just because and and, and that's another thing. I, I, I still don't understand how she doesn't see it. You know, she sits there and goes, well, if if they all go north and die, then whatever, we'll deal with whatever comes down. They'll have maybe shorten the numbers. But it was it was already made clear that 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 wasn't going to happen and that. Pretty much everyone who dies is just going to be resurrected. The you know the Night King is always going to be able to replenish his army all the way down to King's Landing, and they don't really stand a chance. And uh, the the most they could have hoped for there was the truce, but clearly Cersei didn't want to give up power, uh, as evident from her coming out and saying, you know, maybe when this is all over, you'll remember it was me who saved me and that I still rule. And uh, clearly. Uh, neither John nor uh, Daenerys was, you know, going to be okay with that. So I'm sure Cersei just feels like she's in a, a, a weak position just to begin with in, in that whole aspect. But to think that there's a, a better solution by betraying them and just letting the entire northern hemisphere of Westeros fall, that would, the, the Night King would double or triple his army at that point and probably get two more dragons. So it's just it's it's terrible planning. It was really cool to see Jamie run off, Jamie going north now, changing teams. Uh, I saw a lot of really great memes on Twitter. I mean, I I can't say I follow much in the NBA, but you know, I, I follow I follow enough to to I, I follow enough with certain teams to know when certain players have done their cities dirty, and the whole thing with Kevin Durant suddenly uh, bailing and heading to the Warriors. Uh, that's that it's showing the picture of uh, I saw a picture on on Twitter of someone photoshopping Jamie's head onto Kevin Durant with like a Kevin Durant quote on it, and I thought that was really clever. But I I'm really excited to see what could potentially happen. There are a lot of people. Jamie's, you know, no pun intended because it's the exact opposite from his family. But he's going into the lion's den. I mean, he's going somewhere where absolutely everyone hates him and everyone has a reason to want him dead except his brother. So his Tyrion's going to have to do a lot of talking to convince them to take uh, Jamie. I mean, how much is Daenerys going to trust the person who betrayed her father when uh, he thought that 
he had gone mad. I mean, certainly he had. And then, of course, ending everything, we, we're, we're back with uh, Beric Dondarrion and uh, uh, Tormund. And then the Night King shows up on his dragon. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a term from Collider videos uh, during their live post-Game of Thrones talk after, after the episode last night. Uh, aptly calling it Frostfire. I think that's really clever. Frostfire. But uh, making short work of, of Eastwatch by the Sea, putting a huge hole in the wall, bringing down 700 feet of it, dropping a good chunk of it into the ocean there, and the Army of the Dead now marching south of the wall. And it just really sets up. I mean, at this point, I feel like the pace is going to be even faster. I mean, we spent this season watching characters travel from some of the southernmost points on the map to the northernmost points on the map in in half an episode so i i feel like we're gonna get right into the meat of the war with the dead the great war right into maybe episode two or three of the final season they're going to have to because clearly there's still going to be another war to the south so Six episodes left. Who knows how they're going to do them? If they're going to do them two hours apiece, which would be silly. Why not just then just do a full season, one hour, ten episodes? But I digress. It's been about ten minutes. So uh, we're going to wrap that up for Thrones talk here this week and for at least a year until it comes back. Well, maybe we'll do this for Westworld. But uh, why don't we get into the music now that it's been just ten minutes of me babbling on and maybe I'll babble on some more after some music. We're going to jump into some Mo here. This one actually comes from a show last August. I'm only off by two days on it. This was uh, August 26th in Boulder, Colorado, and the song's called Tailspin.
where's something to listen to while you're driving around Lot B looking for a parking spot. We are Radio Bucks. All right, and that was that was Tailspin by Mo, and that came from their show in Boulder, Colorado, on August twenty sixth, twenty sixteen. And uh, I'm gonna let that song kind of set the tone for the evening. This is going to be a, uh, a deep jams edition, and we're gonna just keep the music going. I did plenty of blabbing in the beginning of the show. So we're just going to keep on grooving. We're going to keep riding that wave. And what I've got coming up next is um, a little bit of The Grateful Dead. This comes from the trio of amazing shows in May 1977. This one from 5577, part of the Get Shown the Light package that came out uh, a couple months ago. It was really neat to finally get. Uh, a hold of all these shows in soundboard quality as opposed to all the um, taper versions that I have. Although I must say, that, you know, there, there is something to be said for some of the taper uh, taper versions that are trading around. I mean, I still have the one, you know, the uh, this one was in New Haven, Connecticut. I still have that one and the Boston Garden show, uh, the taper versions of them because they're just really, they're they're still really awesome in their own right. I love having the soundboards, but... There is really something cool about having the taper versions as well. But what I'm going to be sharing with you this evening is the soundboards. And this is Scarlet Begonias. And then it goes beautifully into Fire on the Mountain, a pairing of songs, which uh, it became a bit of a staple there in the uh, late 70s into the 80s. Like other girls 
Hey, caller, you're on air with Radio Bucks. Yes, hello. I was wondering if you could play that song again. Uh, which one, man? The one that goes beep, boo, boo, bop, boo, boo, beep. No, you're thinking of B boo, boo, bop, boo, boo, bop. Not beep, boo, boo, beep. No, it's no, it's B boo, boo, bop. No, B B boo, boo, bop. Boo, boo, bop. Bop, bop. Radio Bucks. Drop us a line at two six seven seven zero five five B U X. All right, and that was the Grateful Dead from New Haven, Connecticut. On May 5th, 1977, Scarlet Begonias segueing into Fire on the Mountain. And uh, we're going to keep uh, keep these awesome jams going all, almost all throughout the night. I mean, I do have some things that aren't crazy long. But like I said, we're going to do a deep jam show tonight. Something fun, something really groovy as we get back into the beginning of this semester. And so we can all just kind of space out and relax because Mondays suck. You know, there's there's just there's there's never anything good about a Monday, especially when Game of Thrones just ended until possibly 2019. So, you know, there's just never anything good on a Monday. So you got to you just got to like relax and kick back. And that's what these jams are for. They're making everything better for everybody. So I figure why don't we bring two awesome things together? Why don't we bring really awesome jams and really awesome funk and put it into one? This is Galactic from a show in New Orleans on May 1st, 2004. The song's called Baker's Dozen. And yes, the pun, I shouldn't say the pun, but the placement is intentional.
This is the Mad Hatter Macy reminding you that you're listening to Radio Bucks. All right, and that was Baker's Dozen by Galactic. I love that. Uh, I mean, it, it, it kind of, you know, it, it's like it's like really awesome, and then it kind of peters out for a little bit, and then it really comes back strong with that like you know the little drum breakdown there towards the end, and then all of a sudden the whole band comes back in. I love that. And a lot of people were like, "Wait, what did he mean? Placement intentional." Well, that's because I'm going to play something from Fish's Baker's Dozen now. Of course, we're going to we're going to have Baker's Dozen songs till like the end of time or at least for the foreseeable future. I, I still can't get over it. 237 songs, no repeats over 13 shows. There's just there's no maybe there maybe there's like one or two, but I just don't. You know, there, there's bands that have the library, so to speak, but I just don't think there's any touring bands out there that could actually play 237 different songs. Um, you know, I, I I wouldn't say they absolutely slayed every single song, but they played everything. There, there were a lot of really awesome highlights, a lot of things that were played phenomenally, but I'd say even at its worst, it was just mediocre. Like the the worst songs, the worst played flubs, the the worst parts of songs just come up as mediocre. And, and, you know, there was there was no there was no bad night. There was no 2015 Grand Prairie Texas uh, fish shows this summer, and that's that's just such a testament to how in tune the band can be. You know, and a lot of people are like, well, was it all their songs or did they do covers? Well, yeah, there were quite a few covers, but it wasn't for lack of their own material. They just played some other stuff instead. <laughs> Um, they easily, very easily could have continued doing that for probably almost a whole nother 13 nights. Nah, not quite, but they they could, they could have made it, they could have made it like another five or six nights just of their own songs, no covers and still not repeated anything and would have had to have really like busted out some jams for some non-jam worthy songs. Most of their quote unquote type two jam style songs had been played. And uh, we're going to, you know, I, I said this was the Deep Jams edition. You know, we're going to play some stuff other than Deep Jams. But a lot of people are probably going to be confused when I say, what I've got coming up next from Fish is a song called Lawn Boy. Lawn Boy, Deep Jams, those two things don't go together. Well, if you weren't there, just you wait. This is Lawn Boy by Fish. And this was July 25th, 2017. This was the first Tuesday show of the run, and uh, part of the jam-filled donut theme night. And this was the first of the songs of that theme. <laughs> A thin veil of clouds keeps the stars out of sight. I can smell the colors outside on my lawn. Moist green organic that my feet tread upon, and the black oleander 
surrounded by blue. I get so overwhelmed by olfactory hues. Mr. Michael Gordon, not the bass. Give it up for Mike. Come on now.
past 30 minutes that was lawn boy uh just absolutely amazing just something really cool to take a song that's really never been more than just three and a half minutes long and jam the absolute hell out of it uh i love the subtle little isabella tease that comes through about three quarters of the way through the song uh i thought because uh, that was a that was a night I was webcasting. I was actually at the show the next night. Kind of unfortunate, I missed it by one night. But um, it it really sounded like at that point they were just going to cut out kind of early, go into a Jimi Hendrix song, and then they didn't. And then you know we didn't hear anything from that for a little while. And then they did ultimately bust out Isabella on uh, whatever night the the Jimmy's night was, and the whole Jimmy's versus Sprinkles debate. And they, uh, when Federal Donuts announced what the uh, theme was going to be, because Federal Donuts is out, uh, based out of Philadelphia. But thirty minutes of fish, big, really long, blissful jam with some really electrifying moments. I think we we need some landing gear. You know, we need to we need to ground ourselves and come back down. So we take a break with a little bit of a shorter number here. This one's gonna come to us from uh, the Almond Brothers band, just sometime in the early '90s. This comes off that. Uh, An Evening with the Almond Brothers first set, which was uh, 90, 91, 92, uh, though I think it was just 90 and 91. I, th- I, th- I think any regular listener to this show knows it's like the, the, the those two albums, first set and second set, I could just never seem to remember what years they cover. But uh, this is Southbound by the Almond Brothers Band, and uh, this one actually manages to stay under 10 minutes. Thank you. 
All right, and that was the Almond Brothers Band with Southbound, the amazing Warren Haynes and Dickie Betts on slide guitar. That coming to us from an evening with the Almond Brothers Band, the first set recorded live over a series of concerts between 1990 and uh, I, I believe it was only 91 and the album came out in 92, but I speculate on that every week and I've just gotten so tired of double checking that. All right, well, it's that time of the show to do our uh, social media plugs. And, of course, you can keep up with me, the Mad Hatter Macy, on Facebook at facebook.com slash Macy, And on Twitter, my Twitter handle is Mad Hatter Macy. Surprise, surprise, right there. You can keep up with all things on Radio Bucks on Facebook as well at facebook.com slash bucks. Facebook.com slash bucks radio. That's B-U-X radio. And on our SoundCloud page, where you can check out all the uh, podcasted versions of the show at www.soundcloud.com slash radio dash bucks. In fact, i got to double check that. There's always so many links every week, and I prided myself for so long. Yeah, I got it right. Sometimes it's hard to remember whether it's a bucks radio or a radio bucks. But uh, that's uh, soundcloud.com slash radio dash bucks. And uh, we also have a Twitter page as well, twitter.com slash radio bucks. All right. What I've got coming up next is from a local band. They were actually a feature at our music festival last year, Bucks Fest. And the, that, um, the band I am talking about is Solar Circuit. They just had their fu- first full-length LP uh, come out last week, One Around the Sun. These guys are great in a live setting. They have really great chemistry, and it makes their improbability really, for for a group in in its uh in its infant so much in its infancy still, they really have such a great sound and are really in tune with each other when they jam. So I I keep I keep really hoping these guys are gonna really like take off and hit like the fe- like the, the the bigger festival circuits in the next coming years. Definitely want to keep your eyes out for these guys. They're called Solar Circuit, and you can get their album, One Around the Sun, on their Bandcamp page at uh, solarcircuit.bandcamp.com. And on there, you can keep up with them as well on their Facebook page at facebook.com slash solarcircuitmusic. And uh, the number I'm going to play for you this evening is called Porpoise.
And that was Porpoise by Solar Circuit off their newly released full-length album, their first full-length album, One Around the Sun. I you know, I love jam band music of every genre. I listen to, you know, Green Sky Bluegrass and Widespread Panic. I listen to Fish, uh, The Grateful Dead, Lotus, The Disco Biscuits, Spafford, Twiddle, Umphreys. I'm I'm not one of those people that has like a bias against any of the subgenres of jam band music. I just love bands that can improvise uh, mid song, which is just it makes live shows so much more unique. I I mean I was just at a I, I was just at the Counting Crows and Matchbox Twenty concert uh, this past Saturday. Yeah, the, believe it or not, I actually. Passed on watching the McGregor Mayweather fight in in favor of a concert. Of course, the fight hadn't even been scheduled when I got those concert tickets. But I'm definitely glad I went to the concert. I kind of knew how that fight was going to end anyway. But um, the the Matchbox Twenty set was absolutely amazing. I mean, they just sounded so on point. Every song sounded perfect. And then you look at like their set lists on like a night to night basis, city to city, and the set list is relatively identical. Uh, sometimes there's one or two songs that's different, but for the most part, even right down to song placement, everything is the same. The band kind of just like practices a a whole bunch of songs, they perfect them, and then they hit the road with those songs. A lot of the times, there's a lot of new material in it if they're touring against a new album, or if it's a nostalgia act, they're playing a lot of things from across their discography. And so, you know, I had a great time. It was absolutely amazing. But I wouldn't go see him again the next day. You know, I wouldn't I wouldn't go see them two days after that. I wouldn't go following them around the country. It's going to be the same show every time. And it's an amazing show when it comes to your city. And it's totally worth seeing, but it's not worth following. And so that's where jam bands come in. You know, you, you see them one night, and then you see them a second night and a third night and a fourth night. And the set list is different every night. The songs are different every night. It's it's just so different, so much fun, and you know I I know it seems like I'm kind of going off on a tangent, but it's mostly just to do with you know kind of what I just played and what we're about to play next. We're gonna stick with that theme, but the, the there's always seemed like there's been a big stigma towards the Jamtronica scene. Uh, I, I think a lot of that has to do with the Disco Biscuits fan base and stereotypes that surround that fan base. Um, some of those stereotypes are often true. And, you know, some of them aren't. You know, there's definitely people that 
uh, go against the mold. It's it's not believe it or not. It's it's not always all just about getting really messed up at a concert to the point where you don't even remember what's going on. Uh, there's there's something really cool about a group, and I say this so many times on this show. Whenever I play like uh, you know a lot of Jamtronica stuff, or I play like a block of it, is there something really cool about a band who can replicate the sound of your favorite like DJs and your favorite club music? except they're doing it with live instruments. A lot of times they're, you know, heavily, heavily modulated instrument, uh, heavily modulated instruments. And there's often tons of effects and effects pedals and synthesizers in the mix. But the fact that it's being, it, it's being done live in front of you with instruments, it's something that's really cool. And it gives a whole new element to that whole, you know, like let's go out dancing, you know, cause you know, rock and roll concerts even used to be, it used, it used to be like dance concerts. And that was something else that was kind of strange for a while when I was at the uh, Counting Crows and Matchbox 20 concert it was just how long people just kind of just sit around. They don't get up and dance. And, you know, finally it took off and a lot of people were standing, but it seems like there's like so much sitting and it's weird when, when the majority of the music you see is jam band music and you're just so used to standing the entire concert, dancing all night long. And then you go to another concert and you're like standing up and some guy behind you is telling you to sit down. And you're like, dude, this is a rock concert. How about you stand up? So uh, maybe there, maybe this should be a PSA. If you're at a rock concert, don't sit down. Stand up. You're at a concert. Get up. Don't sit down. Get up. If you wanted to sit down, you should have stayed at home and listened to the studio album or found a way to listen to the live stuff after the fact but when you go to a concert that energy you know like get up and and you know as as the fish saying goes man surrender to the flow but uh we're gonna keep the jam tronica theme going here with one of my other favorite jam tronica bands and that is dopapod and this comes to us from the art street tavern on july 26 2012 this song's called new james Definitely one of my top five, um, one of my top five Dopapod songs. I, I've gotten this, I think, at two or three, two, uh, two or three of the shows that I've been to to see them. So I'm always kind of fortunate. I love this song; it's just really fun. So this is New James by Dopapod. Thank you. 
All right, and that was Dopapod with New James from 7-26-2012. And that's going to wrap up our little Jamtronica segment there. On a Wednesday show, we'll bust out some STS-9 and some Lotus for you. But coming up next, I've got some Spafford. This comes from Cervantes' The Other Side, which I believe, if memory serves, is out in uh, Colorado. And this was on September 23rd, 2016. The song's called People. As time goes by, the changing of the seasons, day turns into night, confusion into reason. Though the answer slips me, the question still brings true. What's a combining?
That was Spafford with People from September 23rd, 2016. Cervantes, the other side, is the name of the venue, Colorado, the state. The song's called People, and it's just a great song. I, I, I played that uh, on the show, God, how long ago was it? Months and months back. And it, it really, that, that middle section, it's, it's, I almost wish it was in reverse in a way, but, you know, they kind of, they come back to the song but I wish it was kind of in reverse and it would just kind of go out with that piano, very squirming, coil-esque. Uh, but that, that piano solo, 
in the middle of the song is just so blissful and so pure. And then you get into that fiery guitar solo and there's just so much energy and it, it you know, it's just the way it comes back into the song and everything. And that's great. And I, I actually, I had a string cheese song lined up to close the show out with. And then I realized that it wasn't going to have the energy I wanted. And I figured, well, what would? And I was like, well, how about the amazing, probably one of the most amazing bust outs, uh, although it's debatable, you know, but probably one of the most amazing bust outs of Fish's Baker's Dozen Run. And this came on the last night of the run, August 6th, 2017. This is a cover of a Jimi Hendrix song, which didn't make an appearance on the Jimmy Sprinkles night, they played Fire on that night instead. But something out, they uh, uh, another song that you could describe as being Fire, not necessarily the song title, is Jimi Hendrix Isabella, a song which Fish hadn't played in 574 songs. The last time it was played was on July 31st, 1998, at the Polaris Amphitheater. And then it popped up at Madison Square Garden for the Baker's Dozen. And, you know, honestly, it didn't really seem like there was an almost 600-show gap. It seemed like they had just played the song. I mean, they probably, had, you know, rehearsed it plenty and everything, but it it sounds like it had been in regular rotation, and it hadn't. It was a great performance, and by the time they make it to the to the uh, guitar solo at the end, it's there's, I mean, it's it's amazing to listen to. But it's even more amazing to watch and to see Trey as he's playing it. There's just this look of pure joy on his face. He's just, throughout the whole run, he was just as happy as happy could be. And that, I think that made a lot of the audience and even the people viewing the webcast happy, you know, just feeding off of his happiness. But let's end tonight on a high note. This is Fish with Jimi Hendrix, Isabella.
Isabella by Fish, and that was off the Baker's Dozen Run at Madison Square Garden, that being on the final night. Man, what a cover was that. And I hear the landlady in the background, so that must mean one thing. 
that wraps things up for another episode of Jamming with the Mad Hatter. I'm your humble host, not so humble host, the Mad Hatter Macy. I will be back on Wednesday. Everybody keep an eye out for the new podcast. I know I've been a, uh, you know, chances are by the time you're listening to this, if you're listening to the podcast, you'll have access to this past Wednesday's podcast as well. Uh, It's just a little slow getting them up. I'll have them both up uh, last Wednesday. And tonight's podcast will be up on Tuesday. It just makes no sense talking about these in terms of days (laughs) when it comes to the podcast. There's... There's just no concept of time in the podcast. You know, people will be getting it on Tuesday and Wednesday. and So anyways, this will be available s- soon for podcast. If you listen to it, then priority is available for podcast. I don't even know why I'm talking about podcasts anymore. I'll be back on Wednesday, 7.30 p.m., everybody. Have a great night. See you later.